tonight is our second session in our study titled Jesus in the Old Testament. And tonight we're going to be looking at the appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, I, I realize that when many people think about Jesus, they think of him as the one we see in the New Testament. And we understand that because in the New Testament you see the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And it's pretty easy to get the idea that perhaps Jesus came into existence in the New Testament, that he was born in Bethlehem and, he, and his life and ministry and all of that. Uh, and clearly the earthly story of Jesus' life is recorded in the New Testament. But if you do a deeper study of Scripture, it will show you that Jesus existed in the Old Testament days. And in fact, there's never been a time when Jesus did not exist. What we're going to be talking about tonight uh, is, I'm going to give you three different terms that I want you to uh, write down if you're taking notes. What we're going to be talking about tonight is really what's called or what's known as the pre-incarnate. appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, of course, the word incarnate is from incarnation, and that means to take on human flesh, that when Jesus was born, uh, the Word became flesh and, and made His dwelling among us, John said in John chapter 1. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us, that God became flesh. That's incarnation, God becoming flesh. What we're talking about tonight is Jesus appearing in flesh before He was born in Bethlehem. So in the Old Testament, I'm going to show you examples tonight in the Old Testament of Jesus appearing in human flesh on a temporary basis, if you will, pre-incarnate before he took on our flesh and lived his life here on earth. So that's one of the terms that I want you to understand tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about, tonight and next week, we're going to be talking about uh, this aspect of Jesus uh, and his pre-incarnate appearances in the Old Testament. Uh, I just want to make sure that I'm underlining for you and emphasizing Jesus has always existed as the second person of the Trinity. So it should not surprise you that if he has always existed as the second person of the Trinity, that sometimes he shows up in the Old Testament. Now let me be very clear also on one other thing. When he shows up in the Old Testament, he does not show up by name. That is, you won't find the name Jesus in the Old Testament. He does not show up by name, nor does he show up in the Old Testament in the same form as he did in the New Testament. Yet, it is very clear that there are various times and various ways that Jesus appeared in the Old Testament in human flesh. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So, pre-incarnate, appearing before he took on human flesh and lived his life here on earth. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, there's a second term that I want you to, to understand, and it is the word, a theological term, theophany. If you're taking notes, write down theophany. Theo uh, means God, theos means God. And a theophany is a manifestation of God in the Bible that is tangible to the human senses. Or I could say it to you this way. It is the visible appearance of God in the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, usually in human form. Did you know that God actually appeared in human form in the Old Testament? That's called a theophany. 
the appearance of God in human form, the manifestation, the visible appearance of God in human form, um, usually in human form. Now, now I can give you a couple of examples of this. Take your Bibles and go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is, Genesis chapter 12 is about the call of Abraham to leave his country and his land and all that. Go to the land I'll show you. We're going to pick up the story in verse 6. So we'll read verses 6 through 9 if you're taking notes. I want you to read this carefully and I'll pause from time to time and look at some things with you. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And watch this, verse 7. The Lord, that phrase, capital L, capital O-R-D, talks about Yahweh, God. The Lord, Yahweh God, appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, when we read that, we may just assume that, well, that appearance was probably just a a vision or something like that, that that's how the Lord uh, appeared to him. Let's keep reading. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent at Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Here it does not say specifically, does it, that the Lord appeared in human form. But it does say that the Lord appeared to him. Now, keep that in mind and go with me to Genesis 18. And let's look at another appearance of the Lord. Once again, the Lord is going to appear to Abram. Here he's called Abraham, beginning in Genesis 18. But follow closely how... The story unfolds. The Lord appeared to Abraham. Very much like what we just read in Genesis 12. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of memory. While he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. This is not a vision. This is not an angel. Three men have appeared to Abraham. And he goes and bows down before them. Verse 3. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. And then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. This has to be whoever this is, whatever this is. This has to be someone in human form because he says... I'm going to go get you some water, and you can rest under the tree. So this person, or persons, these three men, whatever they are, they they do have human characteristics to them. So let's keep reading. Verse 5, let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, Get three seeds of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. 
He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord, notice the phrase here, then the Lord said. So this is God speaking. And he says, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but he said, yes, you did laugh. Now, that's an interesting story, isn't it? No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. But now watch how this story turns. Verse 16, when the men, plural, when the men, not angels, but men, When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Again, I I know I'm overemphasizing this, but Abraham is walking along with these men who have human form. Verse 17, Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Watch watch verse 20. Then Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. We could continue to read that whole story, but I just want you to see this example of a theophany. And that's not the only place you'll find it in the Old Testament. You'll find several places in the Old Testament, key events, key times, when it appears that God, Almighty God, took on human flesh and appeared for a brief time, speaking to someone, Directing someone. God appearing in human flesh. Not staying that way, but making himself known. Think about it this way. How does the invisible God make himself known? Sometimes the invisible God in the Old Testament would present himself in human form. He would be the Lord speaking to Abraham or to others. That's called a theophany. Now, the second word, that, or actually, I guess the third word that I want you to see is this one. A Christophany or Christophany. It's used to pronounce Christophany. But it's really this idea of Christ appearing in human form. A temporary appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Look up here for a minute. A pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God 
before he took on human flesh in Bethlehem, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in human form. Now, I will say to you that as you study this, sometimes it is hard to say for certainty if the appearance of the Lord is a theophany or a Christophany, because there, there are both in the Old Testament. But in various places in the Old Testament, there is visible There is the visible manifestation of God in human form. And as you look at the context, you have to decide, is this a theophany, God, God the Father appearing in human flesh, or Christophany, God the Son appearing in human flesh. Now, the very first place that I think we see Jesus in the Old Testament, which is, of course, the subject of this study. The very first place we see Jesus in the Old Testament in human form is in Genesis 16. So you're in the book of Genesis, and just go back to Genesis 16. Now, put your finger in Genesis 16 before we read that text. I want you to go back to where we started a moment ago in Genesis 12, because I want you to compare something. In Genesis 12, verse 7 through 9, how is God referred to? Just talk to me real quick. Just scan that. Genesis 12, 7 through 9. How is God referred to in that text? The Lord. A theophany. The Lord. Almighty God. Yahweh is is the name. The Lord. Yahweh. Almighty God. Theophany. Now, go to Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to read verse 7. And see if you notice anything different about the way that God is referred to. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. Does that sound any different at all from what you read in Genesis 12? In Genesis 12, it talks about the Lord. In Genesis 16, it talks about the angel of the Lord. Now, the word angel, the Hebrew name for angel, literally just means messenger. So some, when we talk about these kind of things, some people will say, well, is this a reference to just an angel, a heavenly angel, or is it a reference to Christ himself in visible human form? Um, Looking at the context often will give you the answer, okay? So when we look at the context, when we look at the clues in Genesis 16, I want you to notice a couple of things that I think indicate that this was indeed a Christophany appearing, uh, Jesus appearing in Genesis 16. So let's look at the text. Let's let's pick up the story in, uh, let's start back in verse 6. If you know the story, there's, there's this dilemma that Abram and Sarai have, and Sarai is really, really upset with Hagar and so Abram, <laughs> he says, your servant is your hands, in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. He, he's just trying to get, you know, keep her happy. He's trying to keep Sarah happy. And he says, okay, well, you just do whatever seems best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. She ran away. Then it says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said to Hagar, the servant of Sarai, Where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. 
the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. Now, you could make the case that this is just an angel angel, right? This is just a regular angel. This is just a heavenly angel. Except when you come to verse 10. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. In other words, this angel of the Lord is speaking as if he is God. He's speaking in a way that other angels would not have spoken. He speaks for God in the first person. If you're taking notes, write that down. Verse 10, this angel of the Lord speaks for God in the first person. He's not only comforting Hagar, we would expect maybe an angel, a regular heavenly angel to do that, to come and comfort her, but he's not only comforting Hagar, but he promises he will increase her descendants, which is something that an angel, probably an ordinary angel, could not do. Which means this is not just an angel speaking, but perhaps this is God himself speaking, a Christophany. And the reason I say Christophany is because it doesn't say the Lord said to her. It says the angel of the Lord. So it differentiates between the Lord and the angel of the Lord. There's a difference there. Now, we continue to pick up the story and there's another hint that this is probably a Christophany. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He'll be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. But now watch this in verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Hagar gave a name to this angel. Clearly from her statement, Hagar had an encounter with more than an ordinary angel. She referred to this angel as God. You are the God who sees me. So, Pastor Keith, why is that not a theophany? Because, again, let me say it one more time. Previously, God was referred to as the Lord, but here he's referred to as the angel of the Lord, a temporary appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. A temporary appearance of Jesus in human form long before his incarnation in Bethlehem. Oh, by the way, there's one other clue that you need to look for when you're looking in the Old Testament for this kind of thing. One other clue that you need to look for is the phrase, the angel of the Lord, rather than an angel of the Lord. An angel would be an ordinary, I hate to say ordinary, nothing ordinary about angels. But an angel would be a heavenly angel, a heavenly messenger of God. The angel of the Lord would be a reference to Christ in human form. Temporarily taking on human form as a visible manifestation to someone in need or distress. Now, let me pause for a minute with great hesitation. I'm going to ask you if you have any questions. And, and I've, got, I've got a lot more examples to show you, but let me just pause to see if it's, if it's clear in your mind. As clear as it can be. Any questions? Uh, oh, uh, yes, yeah, uh, that was not in my notes, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I was saying, or how I said it, rather. Uh, uh, 
He came to those who were in distress, a visible manifestation of God in human flesh, to those who were in, in distress or in need of direction in their lives. Now, I understand that you may not yet be convinced that Christ did appear in human form in the Old Testament based on what we've looked at so far, but I want you to see the totality of the argument. So let's go to another text. We're just kind of putting brick on brick on brick and trying to build a case here. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, we have an interesting uh, story, yes, but I want you to notice this interplay of words or names related to God. So Genesis chapter 22, we're not going to read the whole story. You're probably very familiar with Abraham testing, being tested by God, his faith, and we've referred to that recently, but let's just read a few verses. Chapter 22, verses 1, 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, God said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So in this situation, it does not say, nor does it indicate, that God appeared in human flesh, but indeed that God did speak to him. How God spoke to him, we're not told, but God spoke to Abraham, and he knew exactly what God wanted him to do. He knew exactly what God uh, was asking of him. God spoke to him. But now, as you continue the story, they go to Mount Moriah, where they're going to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, God directed them to this place. When they reached the place God told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, keep reading, but look very carefully. Then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven. Here it does not say God called out from heaven. Verses 1 and 2, it says that God spoke to him. But here... It says the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your, from me your son, your only son. So in this text, the thing I want you to notice, not that the angel of the Lord appears in human form, but I want you to notice that the angel of the Lord is speaking from heaven. This is more than a regular angel. This is God speaking from heaven. Keep reading the story. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns and he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the pl that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord, there's the reference again, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the seashore. My point is simply this, two things. The angel of the Lord, in this situation, the angel of the Lord was residing in heaven 
And the angel of the Lord had the power to bless him and his descendants. So this is not just an angel. This is Christ speaking to Abraham. Now, I understand again that this is a lot to digest, but I want you to go with me to the book of Judges. Go over to the right. Uh, we talked about Abraham. Let me give you another example of a Christophany uh, in the Old Testament. The one was Abraham just now. Another example of a Christophany in the Old Testament is Gideon. Uh, Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 verse 11 through 14 if you're taking notes. The angel of the Lord, there's that phrase again. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Bezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. So just stop there for a moment. What did this angel of the Lord do physically? What did he do? He sat down. Just like you're sitting down. He sat down. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Now, let's just pause for a moment. Let's just assume. I haven't proven it to you yet, but let's just assume that this is Christ appearing to Gideon in human flesh. It's a Christophany. That Christ is in this occasion, in this brief moment in history, makes an appearance in human flesh. That this is Jesus speaking to Gideon. Let's just assume that for a moment. And read the text. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? When they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? And I wish we had the time to go through that whole story. Where Gideon is afraid. And he's trying, trying to decide what he should or should not do. Could it be that this angel of the Lord was more than an angel? Could it be that this angel of the Lord who sat down, who appeared to Gideon, who spoke to Gideon, who empowered Gideon, who engaged him in conversation, could it be that this was Christ in human form for that brief occasion? My favorite one. My favorite uh, example of a Christophany or Christ. Uh, yeah, Christophany in the Old Testament is in also the book of Judges, but in chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. I'll be honest with you, I did not remember reading this chapter. I, I've read the Bible through several times, but I don't remember reading this chapter. But as I was preparing this, and I came to Judges 13, it was like, oh my goodness. And I love, I'll show you a verse. I love this verse. So if you're taking notes, put a star, an asterisk, or something beside this reference. Because this one to me kind of seals the deal. Judges chapter 13. Um, the whole chapter is about the birth of Samson. We're probably not going to have time to read the whole chapter, but let's just read some of it. 
Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord, there's that phrase again. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is, is to be a, a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he'll begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Verse 6. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, The man of God. Notice how she refers to the angel of the Lord. She refers to the angel of the Lord as the man of God. The man, human designation there, right? The man of God. Let's, let's read it. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. Watch this. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from. And he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now then drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. Isn't it interesting how she talks about his appearance? He called, she called him, first of all, the man of God. And she said, and he looked like, he was different. He, he didn't just appear to be human, but he looked like an angel of God. Now, keep reading. It's about to get good. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Look up here for a moment. He's praying, God, would you let that man of God come again? Would you let that man of God appear to us again? Verse 9, God heard Manoah. And the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. And the woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here! The man, she doesn't call him an angel. The man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and he followed his wife. And when he came to the man, not the angel, but the man, he said, Are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is, it, what is to be the rule for the boy's life and work? And the angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I've told her. And, and he explains it again. And verse 15, Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we'd like for you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare, watch this. If you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. He thought it was an ordinary man. He did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. I would say he did not realize that it was Christ in human form. Now keep reading. 
Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? Now, verse 18 is my favorite verse in, in, this, in this passage. What is your name? He replied, why do you ask my name? <laughs> Here's what I love. It is beyond your understanding. You, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And if I told you, you wouldn't understand it. It is beyond, I could tell you my name, but, it, but you're not going to get it. You're not going to realize who I really am. It is beyond your understanding. I had to underline that in my Bible because, listen, all of this is beyond my understanding too, right? Watch this, keep reading the story. Then Manoah, verse 19, took a young goat together with a grain offering. Now, now get ready, hang on. And he sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. Watch this. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. Watch this, listen. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward, toward heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. This was no ordinary man. This... I believe, was Christ in flesh. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah, verse 21, and his wife, Manoah, realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. And like any good, good wife, she kind of brings him back down to reality. And she's, his wife answered, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all of these things that he now told us. And the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. Wow. Just, just wow. Uh, for sake of time, let me just... Let me just summarize the, the last example that I have for you. Um, the, the fourth example of this Christophany in the Old Testament, or Christ appearing in the Old Testament, is found in the book of Daniel chapter 3. We're, we're not going to take time to read a lot of that, but Daniel chapter 3, the, the, the story of course is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And I want you to see what Nebuchadnezzar, who was a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, who was polytheistic in his belief, that is, he believed in lots of little g gods. He was polytheistic, and, and, and his whole country would worship all kinds of gods, the god of the sun and the god of the moon, the god of the rain, and all kinds of little g gods. He was polytheistic. I want you to see what Nebuchadnezzar said. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret this. No, I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm in chapter 2. Let me go to chapter 3, verse 24. You knew that didn't sound right. Chapter 3, verse 24. Daniel 3, 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a pagan, worshipped many gods, leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. He did not say, look, I see three men and an angel. 
He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now again, Nebuchadnezzar is looking at this from a, a pagan perspective, and, and he certainly would not have understood who Jesus was or, or Christ or, or, or God from a Hebrew perspective. The fourth man in the fire is thought by many people, many Bible scholars would say that fourth man in the fire was Christ. He looks like, even the pagan king said, look, there's four men in the fire, and one of them, one of them looks like son of a God. Now, let me just try to tie all this together. We're going to be done in about three minutes. Let me tie all of this together. I said this earlier, but let me say it one more time. Oftentimes, in the Old Testament, it appears that Jesus came to earth to help his people in their distress and their need for direction in their lives. A Christophany, the human appearance of Jesus at a limited time, a limited way, uh, an appearance to someone in distress, an appearance to someone in need. Uh, now, you may not accept that. You might say, no, this angel of the Lord is just an angel. And that's okay. We can fellowship over that. I'm not going to argue with you over that. But there's too many examples where it seems to be more than just an angel. Too many examples where it seems that there's this appearance of Christ in human form. It's amazing, really, when you realize that Jesus Christ does indeed appear throughout the whole Bible. Yes, certainly He appeared in the New Testament. We realize that. But as you continue to read and continue to study, you realize that Jesus Christ is eternal in His nature. Because He is eternal in His nature, we should not be surprised that there are pre-incarnate appearances of the One who is eternal. Nor should we be surprised that the book of Revelation ends talking about Jesus Christ in this way, referring to Christ as the one who was and is and is to come. You see, the one you call Savior, the one we call Jesus, is the one who is eternal and He was and He is and He is to come. He is in charge of this world. And I hope He's in charge of your life. Well, i tell you what we're going to do next time. I hope this has kind of whetted your appetite a little bit. And next time, uh, tonight we talked about the appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. Next time we're going to talk about the various ways that you see Jesus referred to. In the Old Testament. And we're going to get into a lot of good stuff next time. So I hope that you'll come with your notebook. Be ready to, to write and dig in with me. Alright? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you that your word is so eternal. And so deep. And so rich. And sometimes it just feels like we barely scratch the surface. But thank you most of all that the entire Bible. Old Testament and new. Point to what you have done for us, Father through your Son, the Lord Jesus. 
Thank you that you make salvation available to all and that you remind us that you are Lord of all. And we worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen.